You're listening to the McFantasy NBA Podcast with Josh and Adam McDermott. G'day and welcome to McFantasy NBA, another day of action. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter, McFantasy NBA. I'm Josh McDermott and as always, I'm joined by Adam. G'day guys, I hope you're all safe and well and yeah, let's get cracking. Breaking news. Disclaimer, this news is not broken by us. It comes already broken. As always, we'll start with a little bit of news from the week that was. Just a few things that have caught our eye. I want to start with the rookies. It's been a big week for the rookies. Anthony Edwards had the best week of his NBA career. He was obviously the number one draft pick. He's averaging 18 points for the week, averaging three threes a game and had a 23 and 25 point game. Lamelo Ball's continuing to perform really well off that Charlotte bench. He had another good week. And Emmanuel quickly surprised a few. He's had back-to-back 25 point games. Some of the older guys are back and performing well. Russell Westbrook's back from his quad injury. He's had two really big games. Uh, he didn't do a lot in his first game back, but the next two games, yesterday he had 41 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, and hit the game winner. And the game before that, 26 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. And he's hit seven threes in his last two games, which is pretty unusual for Russie Westbrook. He's not a great shooter, but his efficiency over the last couple of games has been really good. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. And and he's been interviewed after those games and said that he's feeling a lot better. His quad injury is behind him now. And he's actually able to drive to the basket and score, which he wasn't doing at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, he was shooting jump shots, deep twos, and and missing most of them, to be honest. Uh, As well as his return, Jimmy Butler's back after missing 21 days with COVID. Lost a fair bit of weight, Jimmy Buckets, but he's back and had 30 points in his first game back. So for Miami supporters, hopefully that means that they start to move back up the table because they've had a pretty rough start to the year. Other news, JJ Reddick. He was okay-ish towards the start of the year for the Pelicans, but the last couple of games, he's had the dreaded DMPCD, did not play coach's decision, and it appears as if he's going to get brought out or traded the Pelicans don't really need him, particularly with the rise of Alexander Walker. So it appears as if there's three other Eastern teams, uh, Eastern Conference teams that might be on the lookout for a shooter that have been rumoured to be interested in JJ. And they are the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Boston Celtics. So three teams all competing for the title there. I'm not sure what fit would be best. I think the 76ers would be a very, very good fit for him because they do need a shooter around Ben Simmons. At the moment, they've got Shake Milton coming off the bench. He's a little bit hot and cold. They have got Seth Curry, but someone else coming off that bench, maybe backing up Seth Curry, who will start as a three-point shooter, would be handy. Brooklyn's got Joe Harris there. They could always do with another shooting threat. And Boston could certainly do with a shooting threat as well. So be interesting to see what happens within that JJ Redick space. And I would imagine it would happen pretty soon. Uh, by the sounds of things. And in talking of great three-point shooters, jingling Joe Ingles broke John Stockton's Jazz three-point record. He's now sitting first with 848 threes, which in itself is a fantastic effort. He's the record holder for the Jazz for the most three-pointers. But if you actually delve down even further into the stats, Joe Ingles has played 493 NBA games and has that record. 
John Stockton played 1,504 games. How's that, Adam? That's awesome. I don't really believe Stockton was known as a three-point shooter. He just played a lot of basketball. But get around the the Aussies. You had the story on Paddy Mills last week breaking a record and now jingling Joe as well. So clearly we uh, we like to shoot from outside over here in Australia. That's it, yeah. Joe, left-hander, obviously a very good player. Stockton did play for 18 years, as you say. So he wasn't as good a three-point shooter, but just played a lot of games. And the last one, another record as well, or a move up in the record books, I guess. LeBron James has moved up him to eighth on the all-time win list. So he overtook Derek Fisher. Still got a few big names ahead of him. Tony Parker, Dirk Nowinski, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Tim Duncan, Robert Parrish, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But LeBron... If he wants to play with his son, which he keeps saying he does, he's probably still got a couple more years in the league and the way he's playing at the moment, uh, who could stop him? Well, he's certainly not doing it for the money because also today, or yesterday, he's now one of five sports people ever to make over a billion dollars while still playing competitively within that sport. So he joins Messi, Ronaldo, Tiger Woods and Floyd Mayweather. And that's actually $1.3 billion Australian. So he makes a little bit of coin. He's making $96 million this year alone, with the majority of that being endorsements. So he is a very rich man. Touching on a couple of your stories, I watched Minnesota. And Anthony Edwards is a very, very good scorer. He doesn't do a whole lot else. And I don't know how high his ceiling is. He might just be a sexton or one of those lights-out type guys, but he was fun to watch. And Isaac Okoro, a little interesting stat about him. He's leading all rookies in minutes per game at nearly 36 minutes a game and 10th overall in the league. So it's fair to say Cleveland like him a lot. He doesn't necessarily get the stats you would expect from those 36 minutes but clearly they have a lot of faith in him so that's an interesting one he's a very good defender as well i think that's why they like him on the floor he's probably one of their best defenders yeah definitely um and the rest of those those guards in in garland and sexton yeah they're not shocking but okoro can shut down guys a lot bigger than him as well in some injury news there is a lot of injuries at the moment that aren't necessarily serious, but they may play into part a little bit with our waiver wire segment at the end. So Ananobi's gone down and he's looking like missing another week. Gaz Harris in the first half did an adductor injury and didn't return, and that might be serious. Steve Adams also went off and didn't return. We're not sure there yet. Harden obviously missed a game, Marcus Smart's out for two to three weeks at this stage. And I'd like to ask you, where are those minutes going to go? Is that back to Teague or because Pritchard's obviously still out or is that Naismith getting the role? Who, who, who Who's going to take those Smart minutes? Well, it has to go to Teague at this stage. I think they'd really like it to be Pritchard. Pritchard's probably still a week, week and a half away. He's not too far off. And when he does come back, he'll take a fair few of those minutes. Neesmith has had a couple of better games. He's starting to get his shooting touch together. But his issue is that because he's battling defensively and still struggling to understand the defensive plays and the defensive mindset of an NBA player, when he does get the ball in his hands to shoot, 
I reckon his brain's a little bit jumbled and he's still thinking defensive and that's why he's not shooting as well as what he did in college. Although no one ever expected him to shoot at that rate in the NBA. I think, though, Teague will take Smart's minutes, but there will be a little bit of semi ojale will come in there. Tremont Waters might be a chance. Teague, to be honest, hasn't done what we expected him to do this year and has been battling a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Furthermore, Tyler Hero, he's he's come back and he's playing really well, but his housemate tested positive yesterday. So he's questionable at the moment as they're trying to work out whether he needs to go into all of this tracing and all of that again. So that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Terry Rogier is having a few injury woes at the moment, so I don't know if that finally frees up some minutes for Malik Monk as he has started to push into the rotation ahead of the Martin brothers. Goran Dragic is getting closer. Valanciunas is getting closer. As you said, Pritchard's, yeah, a week or two away. And still nothing on Justice Winslow or Jaron Jackson Jr. because Memphis suck and tell you nothing. So I'm very much looking forward to them returning as well as Valanciunas to really strengthen those Grizzlies. But we'll have to wait and see. Furthermore, the FIBA America Cup is uh, in mid-February and they have named Isaiah Thomas, Joe Johnson and Dakota Matthias, if you remember him from a few of those games with Philly when they had all their players out with tracing. So here's an opportunity for Isaiah to, to prove himself further and hopefully get him signed with a team. A little bit about that American team, that the kind of blokes on the list um, are mostly G League guys. You might have heard of Travis Trice with Wisconsin or Josh McGetty, Yante Matina, both with uh, the main Red Claws, your Boston boys, and Josh Jenkins and Emil Jefferson. They all have dominated G League for a couple of years now. And America's already qualified because they belted the Bahamas and Mexico a couple of months ago, and now they have to play them again. But it will be interesting to see Isaiah play and have some NBA blokes within that roster. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. And last little bit, last little story. I was watching Miami and Bam Adebayo was being Bam Adebayo, just dominating. But they started talking about why he's called Bam. So his actual name is Edris Femi Adebayo. And when he was one year, a one-year-old, he flipped a coffee table and it reminded his grandmother of Bam Bam Rubble from the Flintstones. <laughs> and that has stuck ever since. So there you go, Edris. Edris Femi. That's another one. So we've got Wardell Jr. and Edris. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go by Femi. I like Femi more than Edris. But Femi and Wardell Jr., get around them. <laughs> and no one's going to know who you're talking about. McFantasy NBA, your league, your team. Well, after the all-star voting was opened up last week, we thought it'd be a good idea today to chat about that. I'm not going to call it an all-star game just yet because there hasn't been a game announced, but there will be all-stars announced on the 18th of February. So the game, the All-Star game was cancelled in November, but there's now some talk that they may be looking at getting it running somewhere in early March, depending on what's happening 
COVID-wise. So the voting's opened and you can vote once a day like you can every year. Uh, the way the voting works, it's similar to or the same as how it has been. So 50% of the vote goes to the fans. There's 25% that goes to the media and 25% goes for the players. And a few years ago, they got rid of the centre position. So there's just three front court players and two guards that you'll vote for from each conference. So there will be all-star players named. Just not sure whether they will actually play in a game. But it's still a great honour to have your name called out as an all-star representative. Adam, who do you think is in for selection this year? Do you have any guaranteed guys? I have 14 definites, or what I believe are definites. So I'll go through them, and you can tell me if you disagree. So we have LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Wardell Curry Jr., Paul George, Kyrie Irving, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Jason Tatum are my 14 definites. I like all of them. The, probably the only ones that... I guess it is, it is fan voting and it is media voting and players voting. So it doesn't necessarily matter on how many games you've played. As we know, we've seen, I think in the past, Yao Ming got voted in when he didn't even play in a season, in the season. So you can get voted in regardless of what you've done on the court. The two players there that have missed a fair bit of game time that you've mentioned, because the voting only goes for another couple of weeks, is Corey Irving, who had his little hiatus. He, yeah, you'd think would make it, but who knows what the public are thinking uh, about him at the moment. Is he a guarantee? Probably, the way that he's been playing. Jason Tatum is also playing very, very well, but missed a couple of weeks due to COVID as well. So they're probably the only two that, not 100%, but they're probably 90 plus percent. Yeah, and of those 14 I named, all of them have been an all-star before. Some notable guys that I said I believe deserve to be an all-star that I haven't mentioned are Lillard, Middleton, Adebayo, Sabonis, Vucevic, Trey Young, and Gordon Haywood. So they're the ones that I believe deserve and have been an all-star before. So we haven't mentioned anyone that haven't made an all-star team, and we will get to those. So of Lillard, Middleton, Sabonis, Vucevic, Trey, Adebayo, I believe they should all make it. How many is that you've got there? That's another five, is it? That's 19. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That's 20. 20. So that leaves only another four positions. So each roster has 12 positions on it. It's very, very hard, isn't it? When you think about it, there's still a lot of really good names that are not on that list and are not going to make it. Two guys that haven't played in an All-Star before that I have high on my list of making their All-Star debut. One of them plays for the Boston Celtics in Jalen Brown. He has had magnificent start to the year, really built around his field goal percentage. Last season, he shot at 48%. This year, he's shooting at 53% from the field, which is incredible, which is, means he's, he's averaging 27 points a game up from 20 in the previous year. And pretty much all his stat categories are up from last year, except for the rebounds are slightly down. And his three-point percentage has gone from 38 to 44%. The thing that's changed in Jalen Brown's game, though, which is 
I don't even know how it correlates with the field goal percentage because last season or the previous season before that, he was almost one-dimensional. And he'd get the ball and he'd use his athleticism and he'd drive to the hoop and score around the hoop. That was Jalen Brown. He'd do huge dunks and he'd jump over people and get layups. That's how he used to score. But now he has fadeaway jumpers, which is hitting at an obscene level. And that's why I think Jalen is a big, big chance of making the All-Star team this year. The other guy who hasn't made an all-star appearance yet that I think might be close to being on track this year, although he is going to find it hard, is Zach Levine. His numbers are a slight improvement from last year, and he's leading the Chicago team, although Chicago aren't performing all that well. He's averaging nearly a point more a game, and he's again, it's... Greater performances are based around his field goal percentage. He's shooting a lot better than what he was last year. He's shooting at 51% from the field. He's having less attempts than what he had last season, but he's making more. He's increased in his three-point field goal percentage, and he's making more three-pointers a year than what he did last year. And his free-throw percentage has increased by nearly 7% as well. So a lot. both of these guys have improved just really on their field goal percentages has helped their game and they are close to making their all-star debuts. I'd be more confident about Jalen Brown than I am about Zach Levine though. I agree that they're, they're both, they both deserve to make it for sure. I'll go on with a few others. I would love to see Gordon Haywood make it. He's made one before, but I won't add him. I thought about Zion Williamson, but they're just, he doesn't make his team win games, and that's the whole reason I don't think Ingram will make it again this year either because New Orleans should be a lot better than what they are. Not that that matters when fans vote. Williamson's going to get heaps of votes. One of mine, though, is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. OKC were meant to be the worst team in the league, and there's currently 13 teams worse than them. So they're almost in the playoffs, especially they would be if they are in the East, I think. And he's averaging 23, 6, 6, 1, and 1. So six rebounds, six assists, a steal, and a block. And that is mainly due to just how awesome Shea is. And everyone loves Shea. He's such a good guy. And I think he deserves to make it, although I don't think he will. And then my other two I'm putting together, and I would hope one of them make it. So we're going to Indiana. They could probably be playing better. But... Miles Turner's having a career year, averaging 15 and 7 with a, an assist, a steal, and nearly four blocks. And Malcolm Brogdon is dominating and scoring a lot, shooting well, hardly misses a free throw, averaging 24 points, four rebounds, seven assists, and a steal. I would hope one of those Indiana guys make it. I'd love to see Shea make it. But all of the guys we've named gets us to the 24. And we are missing the likes of Williamson, Sexton, Jamal Murray, Christian Woods having a career year, De'Aaron Fox, CJ McCollum, Tobias Harris, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Westbrook, who's made it nine for nine years, Chris Paul's made it for 10 years, Jimmy Butler. There is a lot of players, Ben Simmons, a lot of guys that we haven't included, D'Angelo Russell, Siakam, Pazingas, none of them are in it. So it is very hard to make the all-star match game, the 24, but that's how I've got it at this stage. 
move on now to our fantasy basketball side of things and have a bit of a look at the waiver wire in that 14 to 16 team league bracket in category leagues, who we might pick up. Adam, I'll let you go first. Who's a couple of guys on the waiver wire in that 14 to 16 team leagues that you'd be looking at picking up for this week? Well, normally I do this for players that are available on our waiver wire, but there's a few blokes that aren't available on ours but will be available on most. Firstly, Monty Morris. He's been playing very well of late. He's been getting the minutes, and now Gaz Harris has an adductor issue. I don't know if he's going to miss time, but if he does, that just improves Monty's value a little bit more again. Terence Davis and Yuta Watanabe, but we'll touch on Terence. He's playing well at the moment. Norm Powell's been out for a little bit, and Ananobi's out for at least another week. He's not a good bloke, but he might give you a little bit of fantasy value. As we talked about earlier, Jeff Teague potentially with Marcus Smart out for two or three weeks. And Steve Adams, if he is to miss time, I would imagine Jackson Hayes gets a big lift in minutes and he hasn't been too bad as it is. He's just still very raw. And Avery Bradley, if Hero misses, Malik Monk, potentially he's into the rotation now. He's getting about 20 minutes a game. He's gone ahead of the Martin brothers, and he does create a bit of a spark. But as we've seen in the past, he loses that spark very quickly. But the guy who I'm actually going to talk about is Aaron Baines. Boucher has, I don't know where Boucher is at the moment, but he's not getting the minutes that Nick Nurse was giving him earlier, and Baines has played three games in a row with over 10 rebounds, and he starts, and his minutes are going up again. So I would be looking at Aaron Baines for a flyer on rebounds, or if your team just sucks at rebounds and you want a few more, go with him. Another guy there too with Tyler Hero potentially missing is Kendrick Nunn, if he's still available in your league, because he played very well when Hero and, and Butler were out. And without Hero there, it gives none opportunity to perform well again. The couple of guys that I have, though, uh, that are different to yours is a name that we've seen on waiver wires a lot over the last few fantasy seasons. And he always gets picked up for a run here and there. Hasn't been picked up, I don't think, by many this year, though. And that's Ish Smith. With Russell Westbrook guaranteed, almost guaranteed, to be missing in back-to-backs. And this week, my understanding is that Washington have two back-to-backs. I think one of them might be a Sunday-Monday game. But nevertheless, they've got two back-to-backs coming up in the next seven days. So he's going to miss. Neto is still questionable. Ish Smith played yesterday, played 23 minutes, had 13 points, two rebounds, seven assists, two steals and a block in those 23 minutes. So they're pretty good numbers, and that's with Westbrook playing. So if you need assist, Ish Smith's been around the league a long time, and he's someone that can provide that for you. Even last year, uh, Ish Smith averaged 10.9, 3.2, 4.7, and nearly a steal. So he's one to keep an eye on, particularly with Westbrook missing those back-to-backs and Neto questionable. If Neto's not playing, Ish Smith will probably start as the guard, you would have thought. So he's one certainly to look at. And another one too, that if he's available in your league is Mo Wagner for the Washington Wizards. I can see him starting in place of Robin Lopez very, very shortly. And he has quite a big upside while Thomas Bryant is out. 
And the other guy with a lot of upside, again, is a little bit iffy, though, because he is a rookie. He was the last pick in the first round of the draft, and that's Desmond Bain for Memphis. He had a pretty good game yesterday with 15-4 and 2 with three triples. Well, not yesterday, a couple of days ago, sorry. So, And his last month, he's only been averaging 9.2 and 2.9 with 1.3 assists, but nearly two threes a game. So if you want threes, he's okay. And if he gets those minutes, he'll provide you okay numbers. And Memphis also have four games for the week as well. So for a streamer, he's not too bad. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know what I've forgotten today? My word of the day. I'm going to have to say it at the end, so just just be ready for that, all right? That's the intelligent um, part of the day, yep. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just looking at it right now, and I don't even know how to say it. So what's up next? <laughs> the next thing we've got is our best bets. We weren't all that good last week. i got to win the first week. Your two bets for two losses. But Correct. Yep. this week, we're going to win some money. This week, I'm pretty comfortable with mine. It's a two-leg multi, but two pretty simple legs. And it's for a game today. It's the Portland-Milwaukee game. Portland play Milwaukee in Milwaukee. The bet is for Portland to cover the line of 10.5. So for those who who don't understand what that means. It means that Portland are going to either win or lose by less than 11 points. Because 11 points is a fair bit in my mind. And yes, they are missing a couple of very good players, in particular McCullum and Nurkic. I think Derek Jones Jr. is out. So they are missing some good players. But they have got Damian Lillard, who can get hot very, very quickly and has done a lot this year. So I feel as if they can get within that 11-point barrier. So that's part of it. And if we even look sort of almost deeper into it, I suppose, it's going to probably be a shootout. Portland have the sixth best offense in the league. The Bucks have the second best offense in the in the league. And then on the other side of the coin, Portland have the sixth worst defense in the league and the Bucks have the 10th worst defense in the league. And Giannis is at this early stage of the morning a game-time decision. So if Yanni doesn't play and you can get that money on nice and early, then that's a pretty good bet, I would have thought. And the other leg to get this up to around about the $240 mark is Damian Lillard to score over 30 points. Yes, 30 points is a lot for most people, but CJ isn't playing. Over the last two weeks, Dame is averaging 34.8 points. And you look back through those six games and his lowest score was 26. And you're like, well, if he gets 26, he's not going to win the bet for me. But have a really close look at that game. And he shot at 36% in that game where he scored 26 points. 36% from the field when he's averaging 46 on the year. So the chances of him doing that again are slim as well. So my bet, Portland to win or lose by less than 11 and Dame to score 30 or more. I like it. Mine is a lot simpler. It's tomorrow. Clippers play the Nets. And the Nets cannot defend in the slightest. They're letting over 140 points against them in the last couple. So the Clippers to win in Brooklyn and over. So I would imagine it'll be around 235 points scored in the match. Will be about the over-under. And I think it'll be over that mark. Clippers to win and take the over for a high-scoring shootout. Clippers will win because they can score and 
they can defend, whereas Brooklyn can only do one of those. It's very, very true. Brooklyn are going to have to make some changes to that team. When their best centre is DeAndre Jordan, then they need to find someone else. Yes, they can score, but when it comes to finals, they need to improve on the defensive end. It's often the best teams win finals. So watch this space, I reckon, for Brooklyn because there's going to be a change there for a defensive big man, I would have thought. All right, that'll just about do us for today. Thank you very much again, Adam. Yes, thank you. And my my little two-liner to prepare us for the next podcast is Luke Walton's ridiculous backwards counterproductive Nordstrom is what is killing the value of Marvin Bagley. Thank you. (laughs) No worries. A little bit of uh, love for Luke Walton there or not. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter, McFantasyMBA. Thank you. Ta-da.